And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with Archbishop Ron Enright. Archbishop, how long does it take from the process of you deciding to do the exorcism? How long does that process take? Um, the process normally takes three to six months, but I have to say one other thing, kind of a retraction, if you will. Since I'm semi-retired, I came up with an interesting idea. And if anyone goes to my website, www.orderofexorcist.com, they will, on the main page, if they scroll down, they will see the very first, the first ever that I know of anyway, we have, and I created the International Referral Directory. Now, in that directory, uh, as you go down the main page, down the bottom, you will see members in my organization who are around the country, who are around the world. Uh, some of them, uh, I know our psychiatrist is listed there. We have, um, uh, we have bishops, we have priests, we have lead um, uh, assessment investigators. We even have demonic profilers. And they're all listed in our international referral directory. So they have their picture, their phone number, their physical, uh, where they're located, what country, what city they're, they're in, and their email address. So they can contact them directly and bypass my whole process. And um, they can contact the jurisdictional bishop in that part of the world or, or whatever state. And, uh, and from that point on, there'll be something, it'll be a local operation, in other words. So, uh, see, I do the international when um, when when a victim cannot find a person on the on our international referral directory, and then at that point I contact all of our members and I send their information, the victims' information, out to all our bishops, priests, and uh, psychiatrists, and so on. So all that information is sent out uh, when when they can't find someone uh, on our or in our uh, international referral directory. Does the demon ever lay low and trick you in that part? And what I mean by that is to let you think you've eradicated the demon from the individual and it's really in, it's dormant and hiding and waiting for you to leave? All the time. What it does, it will try to hide deep, deep, deep in the individual until it's cornered. And once it's cornered, uh, then it starts revealing itself. And uh, But at first, it could try to deceive you. It will try to distract you. It will try to uh, put the attention on someone who's in the room other than the victim. Uh, it could even be the exorcist, or it could be his assistant, or any of his team members. Um, something could happen where the individual will physically be harmed, uh, where things will actually uh, um, you know, smash into them, uh, fly off the shelf, whatever. The point is, the demonic will try to distract the attention of the exorcist and will do that by, by using all these tricks, if you will. And understand, the actual demonic has insight in regards to every person that's in the room. So he'll use all the negative information about that person and bring it out. And that's a distraction. Once the distraction is there, then the demon is actually winning at that point. So once the once the exorcist gets back into control of the situation, then he's back in the fight. But the demon is always trying to hide itself. And, and that's, a, that's a true scenario. Let's go to the phones. Let's start with Mike, west of the Rockies in Santa Cruz, California. Hi, Michael. Go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Archbishop. Um, my question.
regard to uh, the battle being for our minds and the uh, you know demons love to um, they love to disrupt uh, a person's life by uh, basically you know soul jacking or uh, planning a, a disruptive in the mind and so m- my question to you would be like in the example of Acts 19:15 when the seven sons of Sceva uh, tried to exercise a man, and they said, uh, in the name of uh, Jesus, whom Paul preaches, we adjure you come out. And the demon actually said, you know, Jesus, we know, Paul, we know, but who are you? And uh, he actually stripped the men of their clothes, and they ran from the house attempting exorcism naked. But uh, what do you think about, um, you know, for us in uh, being healed of demonic interference or even possession, the delivering power of uh, that would help someone to be whole again from this uh, demonic uh, disruptiveness or uh, interference. Okay, let me let me say this. First of all, the demonic uses every uh, distraction it can, and uh, and part of it is would be saying to you, "Have no power over me," uh, and they would say that to the that the demonic would say that to the ex. You have no power. You're wasting your time. You know, if you continue to do this. You're going to be in a lot of trouble. You're, you're going to die. And then, you know, and then the family starts happening, and all that's real. The point is, in the very beginning, in order for the demonic to actually uh, get to an individual, that individual has to do something. That individual has to uh, have his mind open to certain things. Um, we have this thing called the Internet, and as a result, the demonic will use the Internet with lots of negative information, and that will seep into the subconscious person who's watching uh, all of this information. As a result, okay, their defenses are really low at that point. The demonic can really zoom in on an individual and literally go through the whole process. There's another uh, reason, too. There's a lot of reasons why, why something like that could happen. Uh, if a person is, let's say, addicted to drugs or uh, or some form of substance. Their their natural defenses, and mentally anyway, are, are they've been shaken, and and their mental uh, defense is down. As a result, the demonic can very easily uh, attack that individual and mentally plant a seed in that individual's mind, and it would be a negative uh, outcome at that point on. And that's how it would grow. That's how it can attack the individual. Would you would you say, Archbishop, that the exorcisms are more than they were ten, twenty years ago? I'm going to say the you mean the actual ritual? Yes, I mean, are you getting more cases? Oh well, you know, it's interesting about this, and, and everybody has a different take on this. I'm going to tell you that um, we're getting more cases because we have the technology to report the information that's coming in. So we can see things around the world uh, in in no time at all, in real time. And as a result, we can report cases like crazy. Now, let's go back about two or 300 years ago. We didn't have this technology, or even less than that. We did not have this technology. So the cases were not as as much. I mean, we couldn't count the cases because they weren't available. We didn't have the technology to actually zoom in on the exact count of what was going on around the world in regards to uh, demonic possession or demonic issues. But now we have the technology, so now we see more and more cases coming in. And I think it has nothing to do with the amount of, um, of activity the demonic is taking. I think it's our technology. We have the ability to zoom in and, and 
are around. I think the same kind of adaptations that, that were being done 2,000 years ago are probably the same they are now. The only difference is we have the technology now that we can actually record and, and, and introduce to all of these new statistics because of our technology. Let's go to Ogden, Utah. DJ's with us on the wild card line. Hello, DJ. Hi, how are you doing, George? I uh, just wanted to talk to the exorcist because I'm also an exorcist. And in the performances I've had, uh, I've noticed that the demon is only able to be diminished by taking it off myself and converting it into positive energy through the gift of an exorcist, which makes an exorcist, you know, a chosen person to have that gift. It's not something anybody would want. It's the most challenging thing you'll ever go through fighting a demon. It's and true. I just wondered if he has the same experience. Um, I will say that uh, um, most people who are in our uh, profession, if you will, have been called divinely, and as a result, we are protected. We have that extra line of protection. Now, it depends on the individual's faith. How strong is the exorcist's faith? Is his faith so strong that he could use that shield of protection that God has given him, and as a result, he is not uh, prone to be attacked, at least not directly? And when that happens, I, I think it, 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 it's a very real scenario. So in other words, if the exorcist has faith, a very strong faith uh, belief system, then uh, the odds are he's going to be successful in whatever he does, as long as it's done in, in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Ron in Tennessee, take it away, Ronald. I am so honored to be able to talk to the Archbishop and to you, Mr. Nori. Thank you, Ron. I am, I am just, I'm going through some things here, but I'll tell you what, Satan's a liar. And he's a, the father of the lie that nailed Jesus to the cross. And I, I don't bow to him or any of his imps. I'm going to tell you, I've been through some stuff. I'm not going to tell you all of it, but I have faced the spirit of death and I, I just I just believe that if any Christian who really believes in Christ would just stand up against these spirits through the cross, through what Jesus did. I I don't think a lot of people realize what Jesus went through when he died on the cross. He was humiliated. He was abased down to the very bottom. But he gave up his deity to save our soul. And I love him. I'm going to leave you with that. I love him. And he has saved me through so many things. I've faced death four times. I have died and gone to well, heaven God, and come back. God bless you. I, I could actually feel your pain, by the way. And, uh, you know, may God bless you and, and, and protect you. Um, I'm going to tell you that as you were describing the suffering of Christ, you know, the anguish, the humiliation, the uh, everything you were actually describing, the symptoms of a person who is demonically possessed. Believe it or not, uh, they are humiliated. They are torn down. They are down to their, uh, they're just holding on by a string to life itself. And that's pretty much what Christ went through. Of course, Christ is a different story, but the suffering is the same. And as a result, you know, we, uh, uh, 
First time caller, Donna in Kansas City, Missouri. Hello, Donna. You with us? Hello. Hear me? Yeah, there you go. Um, earlier this evening, to mark the occasion of the 13 days before the next Friday, the 13th, I conjured Satan in my living room through deep meditation to give me future insight. And I want to give my recollections with the bishop and see if he thinks any of it holds any biblical truth. Tell us a little more, Donna. Tell us a little more. Um, well, I saw visions of Egypt in three years from now. Um, I noticed very... Two very, very prominent known celebrities go to Egypt, and in three years from now, the Antichrist will be on Earth. What do you think of that, Archbishop? I think what happens is um, what your last caller said was actually very factual, very true. Satan is a liar. Everything and anything that you are receiving in regards to impressions from anything dark uh, is a deceitful lie. It's just they're trying to manipulate your thoughts and, and throw you uh, your attention in the wrong direction. Okay, don't believe anything Satan or any of his demons tell you because they are liars. What's the, what's the easiest way... For an individual to fight off Satan. The easiest way is to understand and accept the fact that you can't do it yourself. You need to have a some type of support system. You need your pastor, you need a priest, you need your team. You need a lot of people. There are, are you know, there's strength in numbers, and this definitely uh, falls into play. You need to make sure that you're not going to go toe-to-toe with a demon, because a demon... Uh, doesn't care how tough you are because he knows all about you and he knows exactly how to deceive you. And he could really do tremendous damage to an individual. So if you feel like you're even getting close to uh, close to that type of scenario, you have to get support. You have to go and, and do what I just suggested in regards to support. 
Does the, does the person who knows they've that has been possessed know that they're possessed? Most of the time, they have said that they weren't even aware. Uh, some of them may have some brief moments of memory, but they are. Um, we have this defense mechanism in our brain, which is repression. Anything that terrorizes us, anything that's traumatic, will actually be thrown way, way down into our subconscious mind. It will be repressed, and we won't remember anything. So I would say in the most cases, they wouldn't even remember. And if they do remember certain things, it's, it's, it's a miracle. Sometimes people go to a hypnotherapist and they'll, uh, they'll do, uh, you know, um, the, the whole nine yards of regards to uh, experience some of the things that they, uh, that they don't remember, and sometimes that works. Um, but as, as I said, um, yeah, it's uh, most of the time they're not even aware. What's, what's the easiest way to get possessed? way is to be um, to be curious about the unknown, to try to get more information about um, a spiritual power and uh, demonic influence. Uh, there are a lot of very famous celebrities that have made it uh, on top at record time. As a result, it's said that, uh, that they have allegedly made a deal with the, uh, with the darkness. Uh, let's, let's talk more about that when we come back, Ron, in just a moment. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, Joe, in Long Island, New York, to get us started with Archbishop Enright. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, Ron, I have a two-part question on the psychology and a second very spooky question. Uh, On the psychology, uh, if you look at Paul, right, uh, he asked for relief for some sort of issue. It could have been his violent tendencies or his eyesight. Uh, and the answer was to leave him in the same situation. My grace is sufficient. But if someone does have problems, shouldn't they continue to uh, uh, seek prayer for these maybe less obvious issues that still may be involve temptation or something like that? And the second part of my first question is... Uh, there seems to be a wider net cast by the, the demons these days. They're putting marijuana in gumbies. Kids could have that. Is there any indication within the exorcisms of the wider net being involved? Uh, and that, you know, like those uh, fishing boats that have those big nets and, and they just catch everything in those nets. And my second spooky question is, you know, when you hear of uh, for example, during an exorcism in a room temperature situation and the walls turning to icicles, that makes me think that the devils could do something in the outer environment. I could be swimming, and they could cause a current change where I get caught in a riptide or hiking. Maybe they could throw a rock on the trail that I could trip over, and I wouldn't be able to anticipate that. Would you say that could happen? And then would you ask for an angel to protect you, anticipating that this could happen? Okay, there's like about three or four questions there. I'm going to go with the first one. Um, the Apostle Paul uh, had what some believe may have been a thorn in his side. And uh, he never asked God uh, 
to heal him, but rather he just suffered with it. Um, but in Matthew 7, 7, um, it says, uh, Ask you shall receive, seek you shall find, knock the doors of the open. Um, which tells me that you can ask God for healing. You could ask God for a blessing. You could ask God to use you to help someone else. Um, prayer is a very effective tool in terms of communicating to our maker. And, uh, and I think that uh, prayer is, a, is an excellent way to do that, to establish a relationship with God. Okay, the second question, okay, um, uh, and, and I'm just like, you know, understand that my memory is not as good as it used to be, or the recall. Uh, you um, wanted to know what kind of powers does Satan have? Can he actually change the physical environment? I'm going to tell you that um, it's my honest belief and according to scripture, okay, um, Satan is the ruler of this world. Satan is in charge of everything. Satan can do anything, but God is in command of everything. And God is uh, has to give permission for anyone to do anything. It has to be within his will. So in other words, Satan can make anything and everything happy in terms of trying to tear down humanity, You're trying to tear down the person. But God will not allow anything unless he has his approval, unless it's on God's time. And that's really hard to understand, I know. But, um, but to answer your question, uh, the demonic doctors does have lots of power. They could make walls bleed. They could make uh, rooms frozen or hot or, or change the climate or could do anything within the immediate environment. Um, yeah, that's within their power, and they could do that. But God could also overrule any of that, and that's where the exorcist comes in. He has a series of prayers, and one of the prayers that I uh, use in, in my ritual is the St. Michael's Prayer. And the St. Michael's Prayer is so powerful uh, that it annoys it annoys the daylights out of state, no eyes the demonic. You know, it just does not want to hear God, does not want to hear anything in regards to holiness, because he's just the opposite. And so an exorcism is like a boxing match, okay? Um, the, your opponent is the darkness, and then you have the light, which is fight. So the exorcist is in the ring, and the demonic is on the other side, and you're boxing. And the exorcist is actually interrogating the demonic and trying to get his identity and trying to ask him, when are you going to leave the victim? How long are you planning to stay there? And who are you? And then so the, so the exorcist will continue to do that in a repetitious fashion until it wears down, until the demonic will actually be worn down because of the power of God. The cross, the crucifix, the, uh, the holy names, uh, that are being thrown at the demonic. The demonic is getting weaker and weaker and weaker. Some exorcisms can take anywhere from a day to two, maybe two days, or it could take over a year. It just simply depends on what the situation is. If the individual has a multiple demonic possession, well, then it's obviously going to take a little longer. Uh, and so the same ritual is the same, is the same over and over again. It's done in a repetitious fashion. And, and, and if the exorcist has a, a, 
and um, he will be victorious. Ever have a demon laugh at you, Archbishop? Yes. Oh, laugh, curse, spit, thrown uh, things, um, all kinds of very violent uh, behavior, um, blasphemy, and everything. You know, the, the cursing, the the, um, the the physical assaults. Oh, yeah, that's that's in play. Yeah, they'll do that because they look at you as an enemy. You obviously are because you're trying to evict the Next up, let's go to Jim in Connecticut. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jim. Hello, Archbishop. Uh, pleasure to speak with you again, and I uh, thank you so much for the work you do. I had met you at the Southbury Exposition with uh, Bill Dean and uh, Bishop Lawn, et cetera, and uh, I was the uh, retired police officer that was tended with my wife. Oh, so yes, yes, yes. How are you? I'm doing very well, very well, thank you. And uh, it's, it was a very uplifting experience, and it hasn't faded at all. Things are doing quite well. But the issue I wanted to address with you was uh, something that concerned me at that time. Uh, they mentioned at the outset that uh, 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 many uh, uh, churches, et cetera, had been approached to host the event, and none would even reply. And I find that very disturbing that the very basis of our Judeo-Christian beliefs, as well as many other world uh, belief systems, is on the fall of man and its ultimate salvation. And I'd like you to say, why, why do you think there seems to be such a reluctance, if not sometimes uh, opposition, to addressing the, the importance of uh, what uh, the evil is in the world? And uh, Because that's, really uh, that's really what it's all about, with fighting this, uh, this demon. That's true. What I'm going to say is not going to be very, uh, it's not going to be very pleasing to hear. But the truth of the matter is that the darkness is invading the Christian church. The darkness is actually infiltrating and actually coming into the church and corrupting a lot of the believers. And a lot of people say, "What's well, the New Age movement and all this other stuff?" that's mingling into the, you know, into the, uh, the Christian belief. But the point is that Satan will use anything and everything he can to corrupt us to break us down and to have us destroyed, because that's his own purpose. So the invitation to this church is being threatened. And there's a lot of false prophets out there. There are a lot of, uh, as you know, there's a lot of preachers out there that claim to be something that they're not. And as a result, they're either motivated by money, they're either motivated by fame, and whatever the situation is, it's false. And since it's false, it's not it's not valid. And so as a result, there's so many people that are being these days, and it's very alarming, to say the least. What did you think of the movie The Exorcist, Archbishop? I think it was uh, very accurate, about maybe 20%, maybe 15 20%. Only reason I say that is they have recordings of what actually took place. They have, uh, they have documentation, uh, and, and, and everything has to be documented. If there's no documentation, it's like the tree falling in the forest. Who knows if the tree really fell in the forest if you're not there to witness it? Okay, you have to have some kind of, of tracking system, some kind of reporting system in order to validate. Does that make any sense? <laughs> 
And Russell Crowe played the, the Pope's uh, exorcist, uh, Bishop Gabriel, right? Archbishop Gabriel? Yes. You know, I'm, I'm so, um, I saw the movie, and um, I love Richard Crowe. I think mean, he's a great actor. I mean, great actor. Richard Crowe, yeah. Right, one right, Russ, Russell. Ru- Russell Crowe. Oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, exactly. Uh, great actor. Okay. Um, this portrayal, okay, was very, um, uh, it was really false. Um, he uh, portrayed the uh, the chief exorcist as an alcoholic. Um, he portrayed him um, um, being very disrespectful to his superior. Um, there was a lot of things that I wasn't real pleased with in terms of, uh, of, of how they portrayed uh, the the actual story. So um, uh, the special effects were interesting, and again, I like the actors, but um, but you know, it it's, wouldn't be it's nowhere near the uh, the actual original movie, The Exorcist. That was Next up, Joe in Montgomery, California. Hey, Joe, go ahead. Thank you for taking my call, George. Welcome, Joe. Well, uh, I do this type of work. It's not something that you ask to do, but it is something that you're being prepared probably most of your life in little ways. I wanted to become a spiritual teacher. Actually, I just wanted to become enlightened. That's all. Meditate, become enlightened, and save the world. Simple, right? Mm-hmm. Not so. You're going to learn. You're going to grow. You're going to learn about everything, every single thing. Uh, you're going to get involved in this and get involved in that. You're going to see things. You're going to see miracles. You're going to perform miracles, and it's all through the Holy Spirit, the armies of God, and, of course, Lord Jesus Christ. My first exorcisms were with Christ. Actually, it was with the Holy Spirit, but then Christ, and then I went on to um, uh, St. Michael the Archangel, which uh, we're with, my friend and I are with all, every day. We, we work with them. And there are other aspects to, this is like under the umbrella of psychic attack, and I know uh, uh, the good bishop knows that. And it's such a widespread field that he'd have to have like days and days and days just to give you examples. One of the things, and this is a big thing, deception. And there are people that will follow these um, pseudo uh, gurus, not even gurus, like beings uh, of light. They call themselves beings of light, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do that. They never challenge them in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. They never, And you have to do that several times. They never challenge them in the name of the Holy Spirit. You have to ask them, who do you, in whose name do you come? And you do it over and over again until they tell you, Lord Jesus Christ, uh, or the Holy Spirit, or God the Father. Usually it's Lord Jesus Christ. Because you, they don't use those words. <laughs> they run from those words. Well, you know, you know what my impression is, is that um, the scripture even tells us uh, that uh, Satan, the devil himself, can disguise himself as an angel of light. And I get so concerned with people who have a relationship with their um, spiritual guide because they don't really know if it's a true guardian angel or just the opposite. Um, the, the darkness and 
as you know, is very deceitful and will try to trick you. And especially when you're trying to, to, to enlighten yourself, the only enlightenment really comes from God, comes through the Holy Spirit, as you said. That's so true, Archbishop, so true. The t- clock has got us. We've got your website linked up at coasttocoastam.com. Up next, folks, open lines on Coast to Coast. <laughs> 